Hey everybody, I hate to interrupt this worship experience, but I just wanted to come back to you and let you know that with everything that's going on in our world, with the shelter at home, stay at home order that came down from the governor in the state of Florida just this week, I just wanna remind you of some different ways that you can be encouraged, remind you of how we as a church body are taking this entire pandemic. We know that there are so many different opinions about what we should and shouldn't be doing. It's not my desire to get involved in any of that, but we have just said from the beginning of when this pandemic was announced as a serious issue globally, we've said we're just pledging to do three things. The first of which is we're pledging to be prayerful. That means that we're giving all of our cares, our concerns to God. We're pledging to keep God at the center of our lives, to drench and bathe ourselves and our households in prayer and in petitioning to a God who knows and can do so much more than we can in our own human strength. But not only that, we also wanna be wise. That means we follow the guidelines of the people around us who know better than us. We trust the science because God has given science to us as a means and a mechanism to keep us safe and healthy. But then finally, we don't just wanna be prayerful and be wise, but we also wanna be compassionate. Our sermon today, we're talking about this idea of compassion, and I wanna encourage you to be compassionate to fellow people in our congregation, to be compassionate to your neighbors, to be compassionate to the people who are maybe not even uh, people who you would normally listen to, the vulnerable, the powerless, the people on the margins. I wanna encourage you to be drenched in prayer, wisdom, and compassion. I believe that while we may not know what's going to happen in the future, we know the one who holds the future because we know the one who holds the future. The way we get through it is by being prayerful, being wise, and being compassionate. If you're worried, anxious, afraid, concerned, we're here for you. We recognize those feelings are real. And maybe if you have no fear, no cares, no worries at all, we recognize that that exists as well. We applaud your faith, but at the same time, I pray that all of us from, from our lowest moments of, of faith to our highest moments, our greatest triumphs of faith, I pray that we would all be prayerful, be wise, be compassionate. We're going to get through this together. Come on, let's lift up our hands right now and petition God. Father God, we come before you today. We thank you for your presence. God, we recognize that it's no light matter that we are here to worship. Many people did not make it to this moment. Many people did not have this privilege and this luxury. So God, I pray that first we would be grateful. We would be thankful people. We, we would be people who would be willing to say, you are good. You have blessed us. You have graced us. Now, God, as we open up your word, I pray that our hearts would be open, that our ears would be open, that we would not just be hearers, but also doers of your word, God. God, help us to be changed, to be transformed from the inside out. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Why don't we put our hands together and thank God? Hallelujah, hallelujah. Well, if you have your Bibles, why don't you go to Matthew chapter 20, the first book of the New Testament, the book of Matthew chapter 20. We're going to start in verse 29. And in the text here, I just want to read a couple of verses before we get into uh, the sermon this morning. Matthew chapter 20, verse 29, it says, As Jesus and his disciples were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed him. Verse 30 says, Two blind men were sitting by the roadside, and when they heard that Jesus was going by, they shouted, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. The crowd rebuked them and told them to be quiet, but they shouted all the louder, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. Verse 32 says, Jesus stopped and called them. What do you want me to do for you? He asked. Verse 33 says, the Lord, they answered, we want our sight. 
Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. Immediately, they received their sight and followed him. I want to minister a message this morning entitled, Not My Problem. Everybody say, Not My Problem. Anybody ever said that before? Anybody ever said, not my problem? First time I heard that phrase, I was a much younger boy, and I was on the playground, and there was a kid in grade school who had been messing with me. He had been being mean to me and harassing me, and I thought, because I'd watched a lot of movies, I thought that I was supposed to go and grab some of my bigger friends, and that those bigger friends and I were going to go and confront the bully and put the bully in his place. Anybody ever been in that position? You ever been in that situation where you found yourself needing a little bit of help, a little bit of friendship backup. And I went to one of my friends and I told him about this scenario and this situation. And they looked at me and this friend who I thought was my friend, he said, you know what? That's not my problem. That is not my problem. He had the gall. He had the audacity to look at me and say, it's not my problem. Now, that's a humorous story about me on a playground, but the reality is most of us are coming to a position in our lives, and we're in the middle of a global pandemic that is forcing us to reevaluate our compassion. It's forcing us to reevaluate the problems that we're willing to put ourselves out there to solve. It's forcing us to reevaluate the way in which we treat our neighbors and our friends and our loved ones and our family members. And God wants to challenge this idea this morning, this cultural concept that says the problems that I see in the world are not my problem. I believe we have a compassion deficit in our world. We have a compassion deficit in our culture. And so today, this morning, I want to minister to just two groups of people here, and I think it will encompass everyone who is watching and listening to this message. The first group of people that I want to speak to about compassion are the people who need to receive compassion. Anybody in here know they need some compassion? They're in need of some love. They're in need of some care. They're in need of someone being concerned about them. Well, that's one group of people. The second group of people are the people who need to show compassion. Is there anyone in here who would wave their hand at me and say, I know I need to show compassion to other people. I don't just need to receive it, but I also need to show it. Amen. The Bible says that we serve a God of compassion. Matter of fact, in the Old Testament, the second book of the, the Old Testament, the book of Exodus, chapter 34, verse 6, it says that the Lord is the compassionate and gracious God who's slow to anger and abounding in love and faithfulness. How many of you are glad that God is a compassionate God? How many of you are glad that God is a God of mercy? How many of you are glad that, that God is a God of love and grace and long-suffering? And the truth is, if we serve a God who is full of compassion, then we should be the ones who reflect that compassion, right? Truth of the matter is, though, that we have adopted the ideas and the mindsets and the mentalities of our culture and we too in the church we have a compassion deficit somebody say help us lord i'll say it again say help us lord we have a compassion deficit what is compassion well i believe that compassion according to my personal definition compassion is the requirement to treat people as loved human beings created in the image of god to treat people as loved human beings created in the image of God. This is what Henry Nouwen says about compassion. He says, compassion asks us to go where it hurts, to enter into the places of pain, to share in brokenness, fear, confusion, and anguish. Compassion challenges us to cry out with those in misery 
to mourn with those who are lonely, to weep with those in tears. Compassion requires us to be weak with the weak, vulnerable with the vulnerable, and powerless with the powerless. How many of you know that our world right now could use some people who are committed, who are called, who are created, who are tied to compassion? Can I get an amen? amen? Compassion is necessary in our world. And here in Matthew chapter 20, we see that Jesus shows us what compassion looks like. Look at Matthew chapter 20, verse 29. It says here, as Jesus and his disciples were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed him. Everybody say a crowd. Right. Now in verse 30, it says that two blind men were sitting by the roadside, and when they heard that Jesus was going by, they shouted, they said, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. You see, for some of us, we don't realize the significance of what's happening because what we need to realize is today we're celebrating Palm Sunday. And Palm Sunday takes place in, in the context of the scripture in Matthew chapter 21. And in Matthew chapter 21, Jesus announces that he's headed to Jerusalem. This is the apex of his ministry. This is the place where he will be tried and beaten and flogged and crucified and ultimately will rise again. This is the place where he rides in on a donkey and people say, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And in the midst of all this, on his way to Jerusalem, on his way to fulfill his ministry, on his way to fulfill his purpose, he gets interrupted. Someone say interrupted. Jesus was willing to be interrupted and sandwiched in between his mission and his ministry. It's a miracle. Don't miss this. The Son of God, the one who left heaven, the one who left his safe, comfortable place in heaven and came down to save a wretch like you and me, he allowed himself to be interrupted. And this is where we get our first principle. Write this down. Compassion allows our schedules to be interrupted. Compassion allows our schedules to be interrupted. Now, I don't know about you, but we live in a busy culture. We live in a culture that is addicted to the hustle and bustle, the culture that is addicted to doing, a culture that is addicted to running around and proving ourselves. And it, and it, and it shocks me because right now we have the opportunity to slow everything down and remember that in, in the end of things, God desires for us to be interrupted by the cries of others. If God isn't too busy to hear your cry, are you too busy to hear the cries of others? Are you too busy to hear your neighbors? Are you too busy to hear the poor? Are you too busy to hear the people around you? And God is saying, can your schedule be interrupted? Can your schedule be put on pause? Can your work, can your productivity take a back seat though that, so that I can use you to serve someone else? I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm thankful that God was good enough to allow his schedule to be interrupted, that every time I pray to him, I don't get a call busy signal. Every time that I reach out to him, he said he's going to hear and answer my prayers. I'm thankful God is not too busy for me. And the truth of the matter is, some of us need to remember that God is not too busy for us because we have become too busy for everybody else. And right now, I feel like God is saying, I slowed down your schedule so you can't use the excuse, I don't have time. I slowed down your schedule so now I, you can't use the excuse that, that I can't hear someone. No, you have plenty of time to hear people. But the truth of the matter is, sometimes we use the excuse, I'm too busy of Jesus 
allowed himself to be interrupted. How much more should we allow ourselves to be interrupted, church? You see, sometimes you got to put the phone down. Sometimes you got to put the work down. And sometimes you have to go out into your community and see the people's faces and see their needs and their tears and their hurts and their cares and their concerns and say, I've got the answer for your cares. I've got the answer for your concerns. And his name is Jesus. Keep moving here. Verse 30, it says here, but two blind men were sitting by the roadside, and when they heard that Jesus was going by, they shouted. Everybody say shouted. They shouted, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. You need to understand this, that these men, they're, they're permanent beggars. They're people who are walking around and, and, and groping around in the darkness because they're blind and they're having to beg all the time. So they wouldn't have been shouting all the time. If they were shouting all the time, then they would have lost their voice. They would have lost their position. Someone surely would have shut them up. But when they heard Jesus was coming, they got desperate. When they heard that Jesus was coming, they got frantic. When they heard that Jesus was coming, they reached out and they cried out with all of their voice, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. Have you ever been desperate, church? Now, I'm not talking about first world desperate. I'm not talking about fake desperate. I'm not talking about the desperation of privilege. I'm not talking about desperate in the ways that would just be inconveniences or annoyances. I'm talking about really desperate. I'm talking about you're down to your last. I'm talking about you tried all your contacts and you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know who else to call. You don't know who else to reach out to. And God is saying, principle number two, write this down. To show compassion, you must appreciate desperation. To show compassion, you must appreciate desperation. Let me ask you again, has anyone in here ever been desperate? Like I mean ever been really desperate, ever been down to that place where you're looking around and you're saying, I don't think this is going to work out. Can you just wave at me right now? Can you just say, I've been there before and this might be you and if this is you, just wink at the camera. Maybe you're in that place right now. Maybe you're sitting back and you're saying, I'm so desperate for God to move. I'm so desperate for God to do something. And these men were so desperate that they shouted to God. You know, God doesn't want you to lose your desperation, church. God doesn't want you to forget your desperation. As a matter of fact, he appreciates your desperation. Matter of fact, he looks down at your desperation and has compassion and love for that because desperation serves as a reminder that we can't do it by ourselves. You see, some of us, we have constructed our lives to avoid desperation. Some of us have constructed our lives to avoid pain and trouble and hardship. And God says, no, sometimes I want to bring you to the end of yourself. Because if you can appreciate the time when it didn't look like I was going to make a way out of no way, then you're not going to look down on somebody who's shouting, saying, God, will you save me? Will you help me? If you can appreciate desperation. See, those who have truly been desperate for God before, they don't look down on others when they cry out to him. See, we just recognize the shout. See, sometimes people are shouting and we look around at them, we say it doesn't take all that. Sometimes they run around the church, sometimes they clap their hands, sometimes they jump, sometimes they yell and scream, and some of us look around at them, we say, it, you know what, it don't take all that, but the truth of the matter is others of us have been in that position, and some of us look at it, and they say, I recognize that shout, I recognize that cry, I recognize that clap, that's a clap that says, I've got to the end of myself, and compassion forces us to appreciate 
desperation. Are you desperate today, church? Are you desperate today? Are you saying, God, I'm not going to sit back and assume that I've got it all figured out, but I'm saying I need your help afresh every single morning, every single evening, every single noonday. I need you. Keep going down to verse 31. We're almost done. Going down to verse 31. The crowd rebuked them. <laughs> Look at this. And told them to be quiet. Shut up. Keep your mouth shut. But they shouted all the louder, <laughs> Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. This is fascinating. In verse 29, we find out that a large crowd is following Jesus. This is a crowd of people who's going to walk with him to Jerusalem, presumably. This crowd of people who's going to walk out while he's screaming, while people are screaming at him, Hosanna, Hosanna. These are the people who are supposed to be his followers. These are the people who are supposed to be his disciples. Yet, when Jesus is interrupted, they turn around and try to mute the people who are showing their desperation. Jesus' followers try to silence the people that Jesus could be helping. Now, this seems a little bit interesting to me because if you've walked with Jesus and you've talked with Jesus and you've experienced the power and the possibility and the potential and the presence of Jesus, then surely you would be the first person who would be saying, Jesus, this is someone you can heal. Jesus, this is someone you can save. Jesus, this is someone who you can attend to. But they said, be quiet. They quieted them down. In other words, pay attention, the crowd was too busy enjoying Jesus to be compassionate. Principle number three, compassion calls us to enjoy God privately and obey God publicly. Compassion calls us to enjoy God privately and obey God publicly. The crowd was having too good a time with God to be bothered by blind beggars. In that ironic, in that a dichotomy, in that a paradox, they were having so much fun in the presence of Jesus that they couldn't serve anybody else. They were having so much fun worshiping God. And you know, I, I'm not saying this is what's going on, but perhaps maybe now that our services have been shut down, perhaps maybe now that the four walls of the church, we can't meet in them like we used to, perhaps now that we can't have revivals and services and there are no lights and haze and we can't come together and hug one another, perhaps God is saying, okay, so now that you've had really good church, now can you be the church? Now can you do? what I've called the church to do. And he's saying, don't just have good church. I need you to be the church. God is looking down and he's saying, hold up now. You've had great services. You've had great worship. You've had great shouting. You've had great praising. But now I need you to take and do with the things that I've called you to do and my commands still stand. And some of us need to take a step back and say, have I enjoyed God so much that I put compassion on pause? Have I enjoyed praising God so much that when I get around people, I don't really like to be around people anymore? I don't like to listen to their cares and their concerns. They inconvenience me. But if you've been in the presence of Jesus, then you know how unworthy you are. And because you know how unworthy you are, you don't look down at anybody else and say, you're unworthy, but you say, I've got the answer for you. 
Are we too busy having church? You see, some of us need to take a step back when we go back to our churches and we need to acknowledge and analyze some of the things that we've done before and we need to take a step back and say, God, are you in this? Is this cutting off my compassion? Because I don't just want to praise you well, I want to represent you well. Compassion calls us to enjoy God privately and obey God publicly. Last but not least, look at verse 32 through 34. Here Jesus stops and he calls them. He says, what do you want for me to do? And they say, Lord, we want our sight. Jesus had compassion on them. He touches their eyes. And immediately they received their sight and followed him. I love what Jesus does. He models what compassion looks like. And principle number four, write this down. It's not just that God desires for us to appreciate and respect de desperation, not just that God calls us to enjoy him privately and obey him publicly. It's not just that God is calling for us to recalibrate our sense of, of what loving other people looks like, but also he's saying that compassion is about listening. Everybody say listening. Compassion is about listening. Jesus stops. Jesus turns and faces the men in need, and he listens to them. Can I be honest with you, church? I fear that so much of our world has been inundated with noise. So much of our world has been inundated with loudness. So much of our world has been inundated with commotion. So much of our world has been inundated with talking and political punditry and people giving their opinions and social media and so much that we have turned off our listening ears. And Jesus is saying, don't rebuke these people. Shh, listen. Listen to what they're saying. Shh, listen. Listen, church. Listen, those who claim to follow me. Listen, believers. Listen, those who have claimed to have been touched with the supernatural, life-changing, transformative gospel. Shh, listen. Can you hear what I hear? Can you see what I see? Can you experience the pain of other people? Can you hear them crying at night? Can you hear their tears? Can you hear their wounds? Can you hear their pain? Can you hear? Shh, listen, listen. Can you hear? And what Jesus is calling us to, church, is he's calling us to take a step back and ask the question, who have we turned our ears off to? Who have we failed to listen to? I'll never forget first time I went into a maximum security prison. Went into a maximum security prison a couple of years ago in another state, and I had the opportunity to sit down with a diverse group of men, and these men were incarcerated. Some of them have been incarcerated for dozens of years. Some of them have been incarcerated just a few years, but they were all facing long-term sentences. And I remember when you enter into a maximum security prison, you know, it's a, it's a wake-up call because you have to go through screenings and checks and you have to do all these other things. And, and you know, I was, I was sitting back and, and they, were, they were taking my cell phone, they were taking my car keys, and they were taking all these other things that I had in my possession. And they took me down a long corridor and, and down that long corridor went into another building and then went past gate after gate after gate. And then I'm looking around and I'm saying, wow, this is really deep into the prison. And then I I get to the prison place where they're supposed to have the chapel, where they're supposed to have this small group meeting, and they sit us down, they close the door behind us, and it's a disorienting experience because you realize you're cut off from the rest of the world. 
You're cut off from the noise of social media. You're cut off from being able to hear instant text messages and instant notifications. And then the, the men came in who were incarcerated. And they came in one by one and they sat down and we opened up the book of Amos together. I'll never forget it. We opened up the book of Amos and then they had been reading it and then they started giving their reflections on what God was saying to them in Amos and my heart was set on fire and my mind was open and my eyes were as large as saucers because I saw for the first time the dignity of these men. I saw the dignity of men whose society had said, because you made a mistake, because you committed a crime, now we will throw you out to the wayside. But they had deep penetrating insights. They were so brilliant and wise and they owned what they had done and they reflected upon their lives, not with glamor, not with braggadocious uh, energy, but they re reflected on their lives with, with humble contrition. And they said, yes, we know we've done some things we weren't supposed to do, but we're just thankful to still be alive. We're just thankful to still be able to serve God. We're just thankful that our lives can be made something of. We're thankful to be able to repent. We're thankful to serve the same God you serve and it took me having my phone taken away and getting out of my comfort zone and God looking down and saying shh listen to my servants God is active and at work in every place God is active and at work even in the neighborhoods you'll never travel to God is active and at work even in the cities that are hit the worst by the pandemic. God is active and at work even in the most unlikely places. God is active and at work in the prison cells. God is active and at work in the hospital beds. God is active and at work everywhere. And he's saying, I've got a group of people who have followed me, and the problem is they've gotten so addicted to the voice and so addicted to hearing noise that they're not quiet enough to, shh, listen. Listen to what I will do in the nations. Notice here, Jesus had compassion on them, touched their eyes. Verse 34 says, watch this, immediately they received their sight and followed him. Immediately once God saw and met their felt need, they became followers of him. Who in our lives is not a follower of Jesus because we have not seen them? Who in our lives is not a follower of the Most High God because we have not humbled ourselves, we have not put aside our pride and served them with compassion? We have not treated them as human beings. We have not treated them as though they are created in the image of God. We have not treated them with respect and dignity. And God is saying, I want my church to be compassionate again. I want my church to love well. I want my church to give more mercy. I want my church to give more grace. I want my church to forgive. I want my church to be long-suffering because in that I am present. Shh, can you hear are you listening to the people around you? Are you listening with ears that love, ears that serve, ears that are compassionate, hands ready to come to their aid? I'm here tonight to tell you that it's so important for us to remember in our hearts that God came and found us. He had compassion upon us. God is not was not obligated to save any of us. God was not forced to save any of us. God did not have a contractual commitment to save any of us, but it was just because he's good. 
Just because he's kind, just because he is compassionate, he loved us enough to come down and see about our condition. And I'm thankful that I serve a God who's compassionate. I'm thankful that I serve a God who's the God of a second chance and the God of a third chance and a fourth chance and a fifth chance and a sixth chance all the way up to as many chances as we need. I'm thankful that there is a God who has so much mercy that he can take my sins and throw them into the sea of forgetfulness so that they'll be remembered no more. I'm thankful for a God who can separate and put my sin as far as the east is from the rest. I'm thankful that I serve a God who's willing to say, come, no matter what you're facing, no matter how you look, come as you are. And that's the compassionate God that, that we're called to embody. We're called to represent. Can you bow your heads right now? Can you lift up your hands? Father God, I pray that you would set our hearts on fire for compassion. You would set our hearts on fire for love, that you would set our hearts on fire to serve other people, even as you found two blind men, two men who were ostracized from, from society, two men who would have been on the margins of society, that people would not have looked up to them, but they would have looked down upon them. God, I pray that you would give us hearts that are soft with compassion to realize that we're no better than anybody else. We're not on a higher plane than anyone else. We're not on a bigger pedestal or platform than anyone else. We're people who are just like them, recipients of your grace, recipients of your love, your mercy, your compassion. God, I pray that this church and the churches around us would be beacons of compassion, beacons of love, beacons of service. I pray that we would be intentional. I pray that we would not shrink back. I pray that we would do what is necessary. I pray that we would go the extra mile. I pray for those who are in need of compassion, who have not received it from their circles, who have not received it from their friends and their loved ones. Pray that you would wrap your arms around them, lovingly showing them that you are a good father. You're one who loves them, who knows they're in from the beginning, the one who has walked with them through dark nights and sunny days, the one who is never going to leave them and forsake them. You are the God of compassion. And I pray, God, for those who need to show more compassion. Pray that you would set our hearts on fire. God, that this would be a great opportunity for the church, a great opportunity for followers of you, an opportunity for them, for all of us to love well, love better, go the extra mile in showing mercy, forgive, see a need and meet that need. God, give us the strength to do it now. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you are watching us right now and you're saying, hey, I, I know about this compassionate God, I hear about this compassionate God, but I don't have a relationship with that God, if that's you and you're saying, hey, I want to receive the compassionate pursuit, the, the compassionate character of a God who is good, of a God who's willing to save me, who's willing to give me all those chances. Perhaps you need all those chances and more. I know I've been there. And if that's you and you're saying, hey, right now, in this moment, I want to encounter that compassionate God. I just want you to raise your hand wherever you are. I can't see you, but I just want you to show physically some sign that God sees you. God, I'm here, I need your compassion. And if that's you, and if you're making any type of decision today, I want you to text HOME to the number at the bottom of the screen. Text HOME to the number at the bottom of the screen. Welcome to the family of God. Welcome to a place where you can be loved. Welcome to a place where you can lay down your sin. Welcome to a place where you can lay down your burdens and find rest. And I pray for those in here, those who are watching, who also need 
to have a reminder that we need to all show compassion. If that's you, I also want you to text home because there are some practical things that you can do. There are some practical ways that you could show compassion. We want to walk with you and help you to understand what compassion looks like from a biblical perspective, from a Christian standpoint. So you can text home to the bottom of your screen. I pray that everyone who is watching, everyone who is a part of this service would be renewed in their commitment to love, renewed in their commitment for mercy, renewed in their commitment for grace. God, would you give us the strength to do it? And may we be committed to it during and after a pandemic, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Come on, put your hands together and thank God. God is good. God is good. He is a compassionate God. May we be compassionate just like him. Amen? Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining the New Dimensions online worship experience. It has been our honor to host you as a guest, to, to welcome you into our experience as you welcome us into your home. We thank you so much for creating the space for us. We hope that you feel encouraged, uplifted, and challenged. Challenged to go out and be a true follower of Jesus. Maybe you just made that decision for the first time today. And if that's you, we want you to text home to the number at the bottom of the screen. And this is a great way for us to keep track of you, give you more materials as you grow in your walk. Or maybe you just need some prayer. Maybe you just need someone to believe God for you and with you. Well, you can do that as well. Again, text home to the number at the bottom of the screen, and there is a form that you can fill out where we can pray for you. Once again, we want to invite you to come to our Easter service. It'll be at the same time, same place next week. We're so excited to lift up the risen King together. Easter is like the Christian Super Bowl. It's a time for us to, to lift up God with all of our might, and we're not going to change any of that just because we can't meet all in the same place. So continue to follow us on NDCC Pensacola on Facebook and Instagram and also subscribe to our YouTube channel. And maybe you didn't have a chance to give during the service. This is a great opportunity for you to do so. You can go to ndccpensacola.org, ndccpensacola.org, and click offerings. That's an easy, quick way for you to give online. Or you can mail it in the old-fashioned way to the P.O. Box address at the bottom of the screen. Thank you so much again for coming and joining us at the New Dimensions Online Worship Experience. We hope you felt loved. We hope you felt encouraged. We hope you felt challenged and a part of our family. We'll see you again next week right here at New Dimensions where our destiny is helping you to unlock your destiny. I hope you have a blessed, safe, and healthy week. See you soon.